stops, launches deep, Jalen Guyton, he's got it! Touchdown Chargers, what a throw! And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. What's up, Zach? What's going on? A uh, couple things going on. You see Bruce Arians retired? Is that what I just saw him pop up on my Twitter feed and saw him. Uh, I, I was reading some quote, but I didn't really understand what it, in regards uh, yeah, it was about. Bruce Is that? Yeah, Bruce Arians retired and gave the mantle to his defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, uh, who's going to be the head oh. coach there now. And I think Bruce Arians is moving into uh, some sort of front office um, gotcha. role of some sort. So, you know, okay. I, I did a little bit of a, a Wikipedia search. Anytime I see anything that pops up like that, I like to, you know, jump on a little bit of a, a Google University, as you like to call it. I love it, Google you. You know, his first coaching job was in 1975. Wow. Wow. I didn't That's even know crazy. he was that old. <laughs> he's, a, he's almost 70 years old. I think he's 69 years old. Uh, he was a graduate assistant for Virginia Tech in 1975. That's crazy. He, he looks a healthy 70. Give it up to him. I, I would like to uh, copy his diet. Yeah, right. Uh, I actually did some other things, just kind of looking around. Like uh, he was one of the he was the first uh, student at Virginia Tech who had a um, opposite race roommate, uh, oh. and his roommate back then was Tiki and Rondé Barber's uh, father. So, whoa, cool! Yeah, just kind of like interesting things that you know. Fun. Yeah, fun fact. Jump on. On somebody else's Wikipedia page, and you learn learn a couple interesting things. Yeah, uh, all those things are are new to me. That that's super interesting. What do you think? To me, the, the taking that at face value, it sounds to me uh, Bruce Arians is not super excited for this chicken that uh, is about to be played between them, the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady. I don't think it's a it's an issue by any means. I mean, he's still staying with the Bucks. He's just kind of moving into a, a different role. Uh, I did read uh, on Twitter. Um, I think it was Tom Pelissero said that uh, his dream, Bruce Arians' dream, was to pass off a built team to a, a an assistant a coordinator of some sort, uh, and then he is going to be working his way as probably some sort of. Um, you know, special counsel to, you know, the front office or whatever it is. I mean, he's had a lot of health problems over the last couple of yeah. years. Um, he beat prostate cancer, which is right. like crazy. Um, I mean, I remember during the season, like he was wearing like an oxygen mask at some games. Like, yeah, I, well, during well, COVID. What a crazy career. It might now you talk just talking to you about it. You could only do something for so long, right? Uh, it sounds like it. It sounds like it might just be time. And if that's his goal, that now just taking 
into account what he was tweeting. Um, I guess he feels like this is the best time to do to fulfill his dream. So, I, I mean, that, that roster is ready to compete. Uh, so, yeah, maybe it's just time. 1975. Like, That's that insane. is that is before every player who is playing right now was even, like, born. My dad was born in 72. He's, like, 50 years old. So, there's not a single player playing who was alive back then. That's, That's just crazy. insane to think about. Yeah, absolutely insane. Uh, but yeah, hats off. A hell of a career. Super decorated and have nothing but respect for Bruce Arians. And then uh, Kaiser White signed a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I, I sent him a little congratulatory message. Uh, and Good. he responded that he's going to come back stronger. Because I was like, yo, man, like that is way below your value, right? Like he, I've been talking about up? it. Yeah, he responded. It's in our, our Twitter messages. Uh, he said, I don't have it up right now. But, um, yeah, he, he responded to me. He said, thanks, man. I said, almost there. I was like, congrats on the contract. Turn that prove-it deal into something bigger, more secure. Uh, I still think you're being undervalued based off your last season, but do it again. He says, appreciate yeah. you, man. I definitely feel the same way. I'll do it again, but even better, trust me. So. I'm happy for him. I think he's a, a lifelong like Eagles fan. He's from Philadelphia. Right. Uh, played his his ball at West Virginia. Um, I think he knew where he was going before this free agency even started. Anyways. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Super surprised to hear that price tag. It, it's just, I, it, it's sad, but linebacker is just a, a devalued position in in the era of uh, nickel and dime packages so uh, yeah bummer definitely thought he was going to get paid well i i was figured i figured when that first wave hit that he was going to probably get he wasn't going to get the contract that he was expecting or that he deserved and so uh, he's going to a, a, a team that needs some linebacker help um so it, they got a hell of a, a good one i'll always forever be a kaiser white fan he uh did nothing wrong by me you know um really yeah Really excited for the player and just bummed that uh, I don't get to uh, see him in powder blue every Sunday. I know, right? Like, I, I I grew close to, like, watching him. Like, I got so excited seeing Kaiser White Fun. really, like, improve as a, a as a off-ball linebacker, you know, coming from, you know, that, that safety hybrid role he was yeah. to, like, being a legit linebacker who was a – he, he was he was a good tackler. He was he's a played the coverage well. I, I mean, he it's just it's really surprising to me to see him get paid like that. Um, well, and I, I, we were talking about how the the pit, the position is devalued, but he has all the traits that you want in that position, and some. You know, like you said, great tackler, great in coverage. What else do you want from the position? I. I Thought he was severely devalued, but you know what? Uh, I'll take free drinks next time I come down to SoFi. Uh, just kind of taking a look at other linebackers who got paid. So Foyced Oluokon, he got a three-year, $45 million contract, which is just insane. $15 million a year. Uh, not even as like a, a you know, as like a off-ball linebacker who can rush the passer at times. Um, Uchenna got almost $10 million a year. But I mean, that's as an outside linebacker. 
that's really it. Like, not a Jordan Hicks got a two year, uh, ten million dollar contract. Yeah, wow. that's that's it. No linebackers. Miles Jack got an eight million dollar year contract. That's about it, man. There was not very many linebackers signing nice contracts, which is part of the reason why I think our uh, Seahawk, um, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Seahawk. JK. Slide. Or the punter. Oh, no. uh, you're talking about uh, Wagner, Bobby Bob, Wagner. Bobby Wagner. I think that's why he's still a free agent right now. Like he wants, he wants to get paid like some money, right? He wants to get paid like a Super Bowl MVP, which at one point in time you were. Um, but I think you got to really, if if you're Bobby Wagner and you want to play, I think you have to weigh your options here. Do you? How bad do you want to play football or not? And that's really it. I I, I don't think you're gonna get. You're not gonna get the contract you want. It's it. We are showing you the market for linebackers, which is severely low, lower than it's probably ever been um, in the history of the NFL. You know, at one point it was how strong is your linebacking core? That's going to be a re- really the strength of your team. The, the league has changed so much, and you got to you got to you know bob and weave with the times, Bobby Wagner. If you want to play football, you're not going to get paid nearly what you have been getting paid for the most of your career. And you got to realize how, you know, you're up there in age. Uh, on top of playing a devalued position, we are devaluing age uh, more and more in, in the NFL. Uh, I'm missing. So there are a couple of other linebackers who got paid. I can't find their contracts, but Devon Dre Campbell was an off-ball linebacker, and I feel like he got paid over $10 million a year. Uh, Foyside Aluakon, who just was overpaid. Uh, Anthony Barr, 29 years old. Dante Hightower, 31 years old. I mean, the only other one that I'm looking at here would be Leighton Vander Esch as like a comparable like player who probably was deserving of getting paid, but also had his own injuries, right? I don't know. I'm really interested to see if he makes himself some more money with the Eagles because I think the Eagles are going to have some issues defensively next season. Uh, you're talking about who? Kaiser with the Eagles. Well, I, I, for a team, I, I, like I was saying, I, I think that team desperately needed some linebacker help. And in my opinion, they got the best one on the market. Um, he's going to do a little bit of everything for you. So now with a, pre, a pretty loaded, de- uh, well, a decent defense, I, I think the NFC least, it, it, Eagles can definitely compete in, in that division. All right. Um, did you get a chance to watch the the arms race uh, Chargers all in episode? No, I can't wait to. I just I've been so busy at work. Um, <laughs> do not spoil it. I've been I won't spoil it. We'll it. talk about it later. But basically, we kind of went over our draft picks or, or our uh, free agent signings. So we talked about um, our trade for Khalil Mack. We talk about Sebastian right. Joseph Day. It's really just going over. Um, you know, Staley's guys, basically, uh, and how Great they fit watch. to the Chargers. So it'll be a good episode for you. I won't spoil it this episode here. I, I love that series so much. How how long is the episode? It's about an hour long. And is oh. if you haven't listened to it yet, please go listen to it because it's, it's a good, fun little, uh, like, 45 minutes or so. Um, and we talk about it, all the major signings that, that occurred, so... Uh, just hearing Staley talk about Khalil Mack 
I hear his daily talk about JC Jackson. Um, right after this, man, you, you better go watch it. Well, I will see. The only spoiler I've seen is uh, uh, just the, it's like a, I don't know, maybe a five-second clip. No, it's a five-second clip of Staley just saying, complete team, complete team, complete team, complete team. Oh. I think it's hilarious uh, because Staley is, is, is such a, you know, uh, a great coach. You know, he comes into those so prepped that he has a couple of things that he wants to touch on, and it's just a circle with him. Uh, so uh, if, if we're talking about how complete this roster is getting or how, how complete – this defense is, uh, I'm all in for it because I, I, I'm super excited. Uh, in every single piece we've added, it, it yeah, I, I can't wait to see it all mesh together. We had such an exciting training camp last year after such an exciting offseason. And every time I think that I can't get more excited about Charger football, uh, we we bring we bring me back a little, you know, I'm brought in a little bit more. We we stop we slowed down on those signings and then right when we slowed down on the signings they dropped this episode on us so yeah, I'm excited I can't wait to watch. Uh, DeAndre so Andre Roberts uh, the last kind of Charger news that we have to to kind of talk about um, the Chargers. Brandon Staley did say that there's going to be a returner signed here shortly. Uh, and it seems like it's split between Andre Roberts and DeAndre Carter, who was the uh, Washington Commanders kick returner, punt yeah. returner. When you compare the two, so Andre Roberts last season on kick return averaged 32.8 yards. Uh, DeAndre Carter, 25.1, which is a pretty significant difference. Uh, punt return average, DeAndre Carter, 8.4 yards. Andre Roberts, 5.5 I think the main reason we're looking at DeAndre Carter is he's five years younger. And just looking at this offseason, we have not gone after a single aging vet. We are going after players who are moving into, you know, the best years of their career. Uh, with that in mind, uh, it's not going to cost you a whole lot. I think the fact that DeAndre Carter being five years younger than Andre Roberts. I think you're expecting Andre Roberts to hit a wall here soon somewhere. Uh, and he's been active on his Twitter saying, you know, if, if you don't, if, if you didn't know my age, how old do I look on film? Right. Uh, that's, that's a smart uh, marketing ploy. It is, but the, the I mean, question okay, is, I, that, what are yeah. we doing there? What are we doing at kick returner? We got to figure it out soon. We're going to be punting all our other needs to the draft at this point. Um, yeah. I know we cleared some cap room, but I don't think we're going after anybody. I think we're just holding it, you know, see what happens after the draft, you know, before training camp, uh, looking for some guys that are going to get cut and maybe backfilling the roster that way. But right now, I don't think we're going after any other players at this moment in time. No, you know, despite the Sean Merriman attempt at getting us all super excited for another signing, I really think that I really think that move was designed to shore us, uh, you know, clear some space for a potential um, Odell Beckham like Ram signing when we get closer to the trade deadline. Trying to, you know, if it doesn't quite live up to expectations, this roster that we're building go and get a top tier free agent that can put us right over the hump. If we're not quite at Super Bowl contention, that's really in my opinion, yeah. what the space is for. And not only that, but when you, when you look at it, 
any unused cap gets rolled over to the next season anyways, right? So well, and yeah. It's like it's uh you know, it's one of those contingency plans. Well, if you if something does happen, we have the money to go do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, as fans, it's very easy to just look at the dollar figure and be like, "Well, you have all this money, why aren't you spending it?" Uh, sports don't work like that. It's a business and you don't spend all of your budget just because just because you can't it's it doesn't work like that in any every dollar every dollar you spend a day is a dollar you can't spend later and just because you have the money doesn't mean the the the, the player has to be the right player It, it doesn't have to be the best player it has to be the right player for your scheme and right now there's not a whole lot out there in the tackle market Health-wise, especially most oh, of those guys yeah. that are available, Bobby Massey, for instance, issues with health. Uh, all the guards are pretty much gone now. Um, we we took a flyer on a punter who we're probably going to provide some competition to. We have all of our starters along the defensive line. We have our starters at linebacker. Whether you like Tranquil and Murray as your starters, they 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 are very capable starters. Yeah. Well, and I can't, yeah, I can't think of anything other than a return man uh, that needs to be signed in free agency. Everything else is, you know, wait and see, wait and see. And and there's always so many diamonds in the rough that fall through training camp that just don't quite make sense for one team, but are perfect for another. And so I'm hoping, yeah, hopefully one of these loaded offensive line. Uh, teams sign somebody to you know a, a an undrafted contract doesn't quite exceed their expectations and, and we can take a flyer out on them i i really i think you're spot on with the rest of the holes minus one of our holes is going to get addressed in this free agency the rest is going to be addressed through the draft and after the fact uh hopefully grabbing some unsigned undrafted free agents the other thing you got to look at too though is like why would you sign, uh, for instance, um, the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner? Why would you sign back Bobby Wagner right now at $10 million a year, knowing that nobody's coming after him at that price? And if you do want to sign him, you sign him kind of closer to training camp, maybe in training camp, uh, and you sign him for half that value later because you can get him on it. You don't need him. He could help this team. I, I still think he could still play at the top of his game, but his market's not there. So why are you going to overpay for him today when you can get him, you know, when he's trying to, to make something, you know, out of nothing? I mean, the, the the power is all in the league's hand. And the only reason somebody would pay him top dollar, the, the money he's asking for, is if they thought they were, a middle linebacker away from winning a Super Bowl. Nobody is in that situation. So sorry, Bob Wagner, if you want. So, and now you're weighing your options. Do you want to get paid the most? Do you want to play football? If you want to play, if you want to come take a pay cut and come play with a super exciting up and coming team, come over to the Chargers. If you want to go pay, you want to get the most for your money, go to. Uh, a team like the Jaguars who are just paying people left and right for no reason. What do you want? I, I think the Rams brought him in for a visit and he left without a contract and the Rams aren't paying money to that position. No, 
No, and they're smart. They're smart, and that's why they are. They just won a Super Bowl. Part of uh, the reason. And that's all the news, the Charger news we have at this point in time. Um, we are going to go over edge defenders, uh, edge rushers yeah. for the draft, uh, which was kind of exciting. I actually had a lot of fun going I over this. Too. I'll let you go ahead and start because uh, you've got the best pass rushers. Do I? All right. You well, do. I'll, I'll start. Th- this edge class is so exciting. I think we kind of had trouble picking 10. Um, I think you can honestly – look at people's lists and go from top to 20 a lot of interchangeable names because this class is exciting at edge i will start with trayvon walker i think the unforgotten gem of the georgia defense well during the season not so much anymore and well let's just get into trayvon walker's career played very little through his first two seasons mostly because Georgia has done such a great job in recruiting the last couple of years. They are the top of the recruiting classes year in and year out. And that's why they've been so dang competitive the last two seasons. And they've been producing NFL talent left and right. Last year, definitely had his best season. Played in 13 games, racked up 33 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, and six sacks. Good numbers, but he's not getting... Well, during the season, he never got the attention that the Jordan Dave Jordan Davis got. He didn't get the attention that Nicobe Dean got, who were considered the best players at their position. But Walker helped his stock tremendously at the combine. Really one of the, you know, premier athletes that showed up there. And that's what he is. He's a fantastic athlete. He still needs to develop into a football player, though, in my opinion. His athletic ability. You could, everybody saw it at Indiana, and he no doubt impressed all the scouts in attendance. Measured in at 6'5, 275 pounds, he ran a 4'5'1 in the 40 at that size. Third fastest, fastest among edge pro, uh, prospects. Amari Barno from Virginia Tech and Sam Williams from Ole Miss, the only guys to post faster 40 times. But amongst the edge defenders that we'll be talking about t- today, around amongst the edge defenders that are being discussed as first-round talents. Walker's the fastest of the bunch. Also, 6.89 in the three-cone drill, second fastest. And after that performance, he went from being considered a second-round prospect to some analysts like Daniel Jeremiah are saying that he's going to go number five to the Lions. Like, that's a crazy jump to go from, like, in the 60s to number five overall. But what he has is elite speed. And he's also very agile on top of it, which are extremely important traits for edge defenders. And as a pass rusher, Walker has one of the most explosive get-offs. He really uses that speed as his top weapon, and he's effective with it. I think the, the problem with Walker, uh, besides just being significantly more athletic than everybody else, he, do- he doesn't offer much more. Like He's very limited in his pass rush arsenal. You know, watching the tape, I, I saw very little from Walker when it came to any type of counters. He doesn't use his hands as effectively as you like to see from a guy you're going to take five. And he gets away with it because he has elite size, he has elite length, and he's fast. You can't beat speed uh, sometimes at the collegiate level. And I, 
I think he's a stronger run defender than a pass rusher. Honestly, he's great at setting the edge. He has the agility to scrape. Uh, his lateral movement is really impressive for a guy that size, which allows him to clog all types of running lanes. He's incredibly strong at the point of contact, and he really gets linemen off balance from the jump. Once he anchors down, you know he's not giving up much room. The frustrating thing with with Walker and and why I'm having trouble like really. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Pinning where he's going to be drafted is because with all of those things I just said, you'd expect him to be dominant at the collegiate level. He has all the intangibles. He just never quite lived up to his potential. So, And, and so I'm saying he's an athlete who needs to develop into a football player. That's because, in my opinion, he's like a positionless prospect. At one point, his first two years in, the, in in college, he was at 290 playing D-tackle. So he has some versatility there. I think he is one of those sky-high ceiling guys. We haven't quite seen it yet, like the production. So I, I think he makes a lot of sense as a, ro- a rotational edge piece. He could also play along the interior. So I really like Trayvon Walker. I don't say I don't think he's the fifth best prospect in this draft class, but if you were looking for potential, Trayvon Walker's your guy. So you were talking about how his ceiling is like way up there. It's way where up is there. his where's his floor? Is that his kind floor, of like bottom out fl- too? Because I mean he's having a positionless player can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing if you can't find out where to put him if if he does fit better as an offensive tackle, you know, who's kind of light to, to play that. Right. Yeah. I think we, I think we saw his floor. I think his floor was this last year, 13 games, 33 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, six sacks. That's a, and then that's, that's a pretty, nothing. That's a great floor. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, also like nothing like six and a half sacks for, I mean, granted you're playing that, at Georgia. I'm- that's why it's but so like, frustrating. That's why it's so frustrating. You, you, this guy should have been in the 18, you know, like, well, and we'll 18 get to tackles. Some, like when you get to, you should be at like 20 tackles for a loss as a star defensive player. But then it, when you look at Georgia's defense, it's so difficult it. to project it. That's why those, these guys, there's going to be a lot of hit or misses uh, from this Georgia draft class. Tons of guys are going to go in the first round. And it's going to be X is and O's. Some are going to be home runs and some are going to be, you know, ground outs. And you're going to see a lot of that. I have a very hard time deciding which one Trayvon Walker is. I'm going to talk about George Kurloftis, Purdue. 
266 pounds. George Karloftis was raised in Athens, Greece, and he moved to Indiana. Of all places that you can move from, <laughs> to go from, from Greece to Indiana uh, in the eighth grade, he was Indiana's number one ranked recruit. He was a fourth edge rusher in his high school class. He had offers from all the major schools, USC, Alabama. Take your pick of the Power Five schools, but for whatever reason, he chose Purdue. <laughs> Purdue uh, to call his home. But his his college stats are insane. Uh, 84 tackles for loss, 41 total sacks. Uh, for this reason, I'm renaming Karloftis Cronus, who's the strongest of all nice. the Greek Titans, because this dude is so freaking good uh he's kind of the forgotten edge rusher in this entire class everyone talks about Aiden Hutchinson Kayvon Thibodeau Trayvon Walker Jermaine Johnson all those guys are get, get gaining all this attention yeah but Kronos might be the best of the bunch he has all the tools he has the size he has the speed and I don't think that the gap between Karloftis and the best edge player you take your pick it's like splitting hairs. Like these guys are so good, and Karloftis is right there with them. Uh, if if Karloftis was somehow to be t- the first edge player taken, and I don't think he will be, uh, I think the I think the the best edge player in this class is actually Aiden Hutchinson. But he would be just as deserving. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, for instance, had the help of a Jabo opposite side of him and a former NFL coach. Trayvon Walker had the entire Georgia defense. And yeah. half of that defense is going to be drafted by the third round this season. Uh, Thibodeau had Mario Cristobal, and he also had some some defensive players over there, including one of the Sewell brothers, um, who's also getting like early round draft hype. Can you name anybody on the Purdue defense? Uh, Karloftis. <laughs> Karloftis, right? <laughs> like he's the only guy on Purdue. They have a, a a player on the opposite side of the ball, David Bell, who I talked about in our wide receiver. Um, you know, but Purdue is it's just not where you think of of defensive players. It's just you know, he's he doesn't have all the stats like last season he had four and a half sacks, ten tackles for a loss. But he's generating pressure on eighteen point one percent of all of his pass rush snaps. To put that in context, Chase Young in his senior season, peak Chase Young had a 17.7% uh, uh, pass rush like generated per snap, um, which is, I mean, he's outperforming the cream of the crop of edge rushers who went to Ohio State. Like it's, he's also got the six most pressures all last year, which just shows how offense is really game for him plan for him he's literally changing game plans for entire offenses he's just so overpowering he wins his matchups it doesn't matter who he's lined up against it doesn't even have to be like beautiful right like it, he's just winning his matchups through power through explosion he fights with his hands he can get somewhat bendy he's instinctual he does all the little things right and he has a lot of the upside that you're going to want for a early round pick and if the chargers did pick him at 17th like he's totally worth that uh, because out of the five different edge rushers, like somebody is going to fall, whether it's Trayvon Walker, whether, you know, even I've been hearing Thibodeau, like falling, you know, into, you know, the 10 range, like yeah. you're seeing somebody's going to fall and there's going to be a good edge rusher on the board. Um, to me, I think Karloff, this is a top 15 player. Like I said, Aiden Hutchinson is the top edge, but 
there those those four to five edge rushers outside of Hutchinson, they're really interchangeable, and I have no problem with Karloftis. Yeah, well, and just so everyone knows, we are purposely not talking about Aiden Hutchinson or Thibodeau because they they've got a lot of hype right already. But um, I guess just to ask you, you know, following up on Karloftis because I think he's a phenomenal prospect. What does he have to do to be considered the Greek freak of football? Well, he's already running 40-yard dashes out in, like, (laughs) freezing cold weather with no shirt on. Love it. You know, I think he's just one of those guys who just didn't go to a big school and he didn't have the big name. But I I think scouts are all over him. And he is in the media, but he's the forgotten guy because he's not. He doesn't have the the fun big school in his background. Like Khalil Mack, everybody knew Khalil Mack was a top prospect in the NFL draft, but he still wasn't getting the same hype coming out of college because he went to Buffalo, right? Where? Like Buffalo. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm yeah, like <laughs> I'm playing know, into it. It's, you're not getting the the same hype. Karloftis, and you should yeah. be because he is fun to watch and he just overpowers everybody he's against. Yeah, well, and whoever signs Karloftis is getting a hell of a player straight off of the lack of he didn't go to a premier school. And he really kind of reminds me of my favorite Purdue product, Drew Brees, who became a hell of a player. Nobody gave him any type of respect coming out of college and just turn on, you know, look at the stats. People are talking about him as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, And so it really, it really doesn't much matter. You talked about Khalil Mack, one of the most dominant players coming out of bubble. It doesn't much matter where you go. A lot of people have to take different routes because of circumstances. And we'll get to into some more people who didn't quite go to the, those name brand schools, but are still hell of a player. Um, I mean, they have name brand players like Ryan Carrington went there. He was a hell of a good edge rusher, Rod Woodson, hall of famer. But I mean, it's so long ago and it's so few and far between before you have like really good players. I, I, I think the, Defining trait for Kaloftis, uh, the best player on the field all the time when he was out there. It doesn't matter Always, that he yeah. was going up against good. You could tell, um, and that's you, you want you you like that. I, I think you made really good points about all of those other guys who are go, are being talked to above him. They all had tremendous help. So it, it and I think we we always see guys fall because. Us as analysts, us as, you know, just outsiders, we are gauging the entire group. Teams are looking at who's good for us. And that's why you're like, why did they pass that guy? Well, he doesn't quite fit what we're trying to do here. And you're right. There's going to be some prime edge prospects at 17. Um, One of those guys, potential, is Jermaine Johnson, who really impressed during the Senior Bowl so much so, you know, mo- lots of analysts are saying that he was the best football player to show up to Mobile, which is absolutely insane. When you think about it, he didn't even stay the whole time. He played two practices. He impressed that much that he was so dominant in those two days. Him and his camp decided there's nothing else for us to prove. In two days of practice, that's pretty impressive. And 
I wish he showed up in that game because he would have just dominated. Because if you looked at the drills, tone setter, completely overwhelming linemen in every different aspect and stole the show. Those first two days, you couldn't take your eye off of Jermaine Johnson. An absolutely fantastic pass rusher. Unlike Trayvon Walker, has all of the moves that you're looking for in the pass rush arsenal. Tons of them. I've seen some that I was like, I don't even know what to call that move. And then on top of it, all the counters, and he gets and he beats blocks in a multitude of ways. His favorite it is his bread and butter is the bull rush. And what I love about how he, what I love about his bull rush move is he doesn't just win with simply pure power, just overpowering guys. He does a great job of selling the outside rush with his first step and with his speed. You have to contend. You have to respect it as a lineman. And then he comes back with fantastic hand placement. And it's his technique, which makes me believe that that's going to be a great move for him for as long as he plays in the NFL. On top of that, phenomenal run defender. Great understanding of the blocking schemes and how to defeat them. And he just processes things very, very fast. Another guy who's strong at the point of attack and on top of that, consistent, reliable tackler, you, you like his chances in the open field against a shifty running back because he's great at getting the guy to the turf. And he had plenty of talent coming out of high school, but grades forced him to go to Juco where he was a one of my favorite guys to ever brace the or go through the, um, what is it, last chance you over at ICC oh, yeah. Independence. Went from one of the premier prospects to ever come out of that system. There's some good names, but he was dominant. Went from there to Georgia, spent two seasons, and he never lived up to his expectations for himself. Couldn't earn more than a rotational role under Kirby Smart. And so instead of staying with that dominant Georgia defense, he decided to go and make a name for himself at Florida State, and he balled out. When he was given his chance to be a three-down player, he performed. Led the ACC with 17.5 tackles for loss. Led the ASC with 11.5 sacks. And because of it, he was named the Conference Defensive Player of the Year. If he falls to 17, please, that would be such an outstanding addition to already a much-improved edge room. We already added Khalil Mack. If he's on the board at 17, please, like the, the, the hype around this guy is, is also very high. And I just love the character. Never counted himself out, kept grinding, had a chance to be another guy on that Georgia defense. He said, no, I don't care if the ACC is a lesser division. I don't care if it gets the hype that the SEC gets. I'm going to go make a name for myself. And I just love that, you know, blue chip type of uh, prospect. I uh I I I that dude was so fun to watch his his so tapes, his one on ones whether uh at the Senior Bowl those were like far none he he was he shined better than any other player to the point where like you said he only needed two days and be like all right I'm good I don't even got to play at the game he turned them into one on nuns and he was going against the best prospects in the draft class and i can't even remember which guy was which guy because you could give me the best tackles in this draft class he dogged them all i'm gonna talk about david ajabo 
250 pound edge rusher out of Michigan. This guy ran a 455 40 yard dash and a 35 inch vert at 250 pounds. Ajabo, he was born in Nigeria. He moved to Scotland as a kid before moving to New Jersey for high school. Uh, he played <laughs> soccer and basketball in high school and didn't step on a football field until he was a junior in high school. Uh, he played high school football with Odea uh, Odafe Owe, who the Ravens drafted last season. Uh, he became a four-star recruit out of high school and was a top 250 high school recruit. Uh, he didn't play as a freshman at all for whatever reason, uh, but as a sophomore, he only had one tackle. So really, he only has one season of film, which is a little risky to me. Uh, amplified by the fact that he also just tore his Achilles uh, weeks ago at his pro day, which is one of the most terrifying uh, things for a potential yeah. first round draft pick. Um, that likely means he's going to miss this entire season. Uh, just for reference, like an Achilles takes like eight to 12 months to rehab after surgery. Not only does it take time to heal, but then you also have to factor in the time it takes for him to get into shape, learn this defense, gain back the strength in his legs, you know, for a veteran, maybe there's a comeback before a rookie. It's kind of a longer road because there's the whole mental aspect of what you're missing at the same time. Um, there was a lot of hype surrounding Ajabo before the Achilles injury. Uh, there's also a lot of risk. He, he has the measurables to be a good fit as an edge player in Staley's uh, scheme. Uh, he likes size, weight on the interior with lighter edge players playing on the outside. Uh, who are able to seal off the edge in the run game. Uh, Ajabo played primarily standing up. He he has bursts from out of the snap, and he can dip his shoulder to get around tackles. He he's kind of like this slap and hand spin move that um, that was made famous by by um, uh, Chargers edge rusher for the last ten seasons. What's his name? Played on the Chiefs last season. Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram. So that slap the outside hand and then spin inside. He's Spend got most. that move down. He's Spend got most. that down. Uh, he wins on explosiveness and burst and dip ability. This doesn't have the power side of the game to consistently win there. He was also a rotational pass rusher, which I think is going unnoticed quite a bit. His running mate, Aiden Hutchinson, rarely left the field, but Ajabo rotated pretty often with Jalen Harrell. Uh, when comparing Hutchinson to Ajabo, there's like an enormous gap there which makes me have some pause as a Jabo, even before the injury, as a legit first-round pick. Because uh, that gap between him and, and the best player is a lot more than you'd expect for a player who's going to go in the first round. Um, he's very, very good. Don't get me wrong. Like You talk about the intangibles. You talk about the explosiveness, the, the athleticism you want out of an edge rusher. But then you look at the technical stuff, and there's a lot of room for him to grow technically. Uh, he flashes dynamics of a, of a high-end edge rusher, but they're not consistent enough, in my opinion. I think that Ajabo is a little overhyped as I was watching the film. Uh, he squares up well in the run game. He doesn't lose up that much ground. Uh, he's physical. He's got those, those play strengths, um, the explosiveness, the speed. They're all signs of a great player. But he has a lot of refinement to come into his game for a player who didn't even start playing football until his junior year who didn't play really the last two seasons of his college career. Uh, he, he hasn't learned to swipe, rip, translating speed to power, power to a spin move, you know, setting up 
the blockers in front of him for the next play. It's the, the mental game from play to play, the battle from, from play to play. He doesn't have those traits, and he hasn't developed all of those things. He's winning purely off athleticism. And the fact that offenses were game planning around Hutchinson, which really mm. freed up Ajabo a lot more. Um, there's just like the consistency and the experience that really makes me question why he was being thought of as a first-round draft pick, especially when he was being subbed out literally almost every series. So it's just not something that I feel very comfortable for a player who's really only got one year of looking really dominant on tape. And a large part of that is when he was extremely fresh all the time because he was constantly that rotational piece. Um, And the fact that, like I said, Hutchinson was drawing the eyes of the offense a lot. I think he's probably closer to like a third round pick, Mm. Uh, especially now that he's got uh, this huge injury where he's whoever's drafting him is, is not paying him for a full season, playing him for a full season. Yeah. That, that, and that's such a bummer. Cause that injury is such a brutal, brutal one. I, I, we, we've seen it in our lifetime, you know, growing up Achilles injury. It didn't matter what sport that was a career ender. And, you know, medicine has advanced some long way player, you know, training and strength conditioning has advanced a long way. So you see people recovering now, it, 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 but, but still it's a career. It's, it's yeah. devastating. It's devastating. And I don't want to call it. It's his career is just at beginning. He's young enough. There is enough time for him to get to where he wants to be again. I just think that at this point, there's too many question marks beyond the fact that he was going to fall because he was a late bloomer. He's new to the football field. Now this injury, that's just, it's just so devastating. You, you, you hate to see it for a guy who had such potential. So I think the scary part about it is because it's the Achilles, right? Like if you go and you feel your Achilles, like that is the strongest, hardest, tendon in your body and when you snap that if you don't have the mental makeup to overcome that because players do not heal the same way there no player comes back from achilles injury and has the same explosiveness they win in other ways right you look at steve smith like he had that injury he won in a different way you he lost that speed and explosiveness when he was with the ravens and he won purely off his route running and awareness of the field you look at kg Right. KG was already a phenomenal shooter before that injury player, but he's, it just, it saps so much of your I was going to say the same word. It, it is saps a so much. Yep. Uh, well, and prayers out to Ajabo. I, I hope he can get strong and I, I really do hope he, he has the mental, uh, you know, acumen to get back on out there because he is very fun to watch when he is at his best. Uh, another fun edge prospect that I like, and I liked since we saw him at the Senior Bowl, is Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. Another guy who tremendously helped his draft stock through the Senior Bowl, and no, nowhere nearly as dominant as Jermaine Johnson, but has plenty of clips if you want to go back to mobile of him just tossing the best O line prospects around. And unlike Jermaine Johnson, he actually played in the game and absolutely wrecked the American team backfield. Mafe has all the tools you're looking for from the edge, 
from an edge defender. Beats you with speed. He can beat you with power. He's also adding to his pass rush arsenal. Has a bunch of moves. Is adding counters every day. And all of that fully on display through the Senior Bowl. And in the game, racked up two sacks, three tackles for a loss. Added a forced fumble. And because of his dominant performance, was named the national team player of the game. What I love about this guy, he was a stand-up rusher in college. They asked him just the five days before that game start, or five days before the senior bowl practices started, hey, we'd like to see you kind of with your hand in the dirt. Have you ever done that? He said no. He said he just tried it a couple times during the workout, and that's all he needed. He said he was just going to go, be open ears, learn from the best uh, minds of the NFL, And that's what scouts want from a young player. Can you take direction? Because we we are half drafting potential and athletic ability, but that's a lot easier to, you know, quantify. There's a reason why we grill these guys uh, with questions. We ask them crazy things. We make them take these weird tests because we want to test their mind too. He has the mental capacity on top of the athletic ability. And, you know, he's a fringe first-round player right now, but he has all the potential. He's What I like about him, he continues to get better year in and year out. And on top of that, he continues to impress in each phase of the draft. I mentioned the Senior Bowl, but he also had a fantastic combine. 4-5-3 in the 40, tied for the second best in the vertical amongst edge players. Just a 38-inch vertical. That explosiveness also translates onto the onto the field, and it, it's his get off is definitely his most impressive trait. He uses that to shoot through lanes. He absolutely destroys blocking angles, and he has everything. We talk about he has everything. He he and he, and he's the full encompass of what NFL scouts are looking for right now. And the fact that we're talking about him at 30 to like the early second round just kind of speaks to the depth of this edge class because he could easily be uh one two three uh in any other years previous sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs i've ever worn if you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight sheath is for you the most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. I'm going to talk about Drake Jackson, uh, USC 6'3", 255. Uh, Drake Jackson went to Corona Centennial High School. Uh, he was a four-star recruit for the Trojans. He was a 56th national recruit, 10th overall California, and third-ranked defensive end. Along with Drake London, uh, the Drakes were the only four-star players from the 2019 recruiting class to play any significant snaps for USC. Both are expected to be potential first, more than likely second-round draft picks. Um, Jackson started his career as a 4-3 defensive end. Uh, as a freshman, he had five and a half sacks, 11.5 tackles for loss. That's really, really good statistics for a freshman uh, player at the edge position. The fact that he was just able to get on the field for USC, which typically has those recruits, maybe not in the, the last few years, but I mean, it's still USC. And if you're a freshman starter at that school, yeah. um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, he's been mocked around the, the first and second pretty consistently. Uh, in his sophomore and junior seasons, he cut weight to play more as a stand-up edge rusher when USC had a new defensive coordinator and they did that scheme change on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, my, my thoughts on it, though, is as a potential late first uh, to a second round draft pick, I don't feel like he really took the step forward from his freshman year. Um, you know, for the simple fact, uh, his 2020 with the COVID season, he had two sacks, five and a half tackles for loss, which isn't really all that impressive in six games. Granted, COVID, who knows what was going on there. But then you look at last season, which was a full season. Uh, eight tackles for loss, five sacks. You're just not seeing the consistency, the step forward from his freshman season, which has me at pause again. Uh, even though the fact that he was a starter for a Power 5 school as a freshman, uh, typically those players turn out to be really special players. So if you think like think about Thibodeau, think about Derek Stingley, those guys who start as true freshmen are just downright great players. I just don't feel like Drake Jackson really took that step forward, partially because I feel like the USC coaching staff kind of failed him. Uh, he's got a suddenness to his game as an edge rusher. Uh, his body type, it, it's fluctuated quite a bit. He was at like 270 pounds as a 4-3 defensive end. And then when he transitioned to 3-4, he went down to 255. Uh, I think he plays a little bit better at a bigger weight. Um, I think he's a little bit better at a three-point stance than he is at a two-bit point stance. He displays really good bend around the edge. He's got more of that power rush mentality to him. Like I said, he's got a suddenness as well. He likes to dip his shoulder. Um, but I feel like he, this guy is a guy built for power, built for a little extra meat on his bones. Uh, he doesn't have the tools quite as well developed as a true speed rusher. Uh, he kind of just resorts to a rip and dip move. Uh, hasn't developed anything really else uh, it doesn't really have the true speed of a, of a pass rusher. Maybe he's got enough of a suddenness to make it work for him when he needs to. 
but I don't feel like that's his game. He does have 34-inch arms. Uh, he's got some length on him. Uh, he's really inconsistent against run, too, especially on the strong side. You want him to be able to hold up ground and be able to anchor down, keeping his outside arm free, You know, forcing the ball back inside. Uh, as a weak side defender, he does a really, really good job of coming down the line of scrimmage, taking away the cutback lanes. Uh, he does need to improve his play strength overall at times. Uh, Bleacher Report comp- comped him to, to Randy Br- Gregory, and I think that's like a pretty fair um, comp for Drake Jackson. Again, I believe he's being mocked a little bit high. Um, he's a fringe second-round pick for me. I think he really, to me, because the tools aren't as well-developed, he's not a player that I'm expecting to come in and, and contribute. Uh, maybe not at a high level being a second-round pick, but as a second-round pick, you got to be a, a pretty decent contributor. And I just don't think – I think there's going to take some development in there. So I, I probably have him going more toward the third round uh, because if you look at the up above him, there's a lot of good players. And I feel like mm-hmm. Jackson just not polished enough. I can see that. I do like uh, – I didn't interrupt you because you were on such a roll, but I, I like uh, the Drakes. Yeah, the Drakes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about – <laughs> I'm going to talk about Nick Benito, uh, Oklahoma outside linebacker, edge prospect. I, I guess we're going to throw him into that group. Um, to me, he's a very interesting prospect because he doesn't really have the elite size you're looking for at the edge position. And I wouldn't say he's small. He, he's 6'3", 248, pound, 248 pounds. But when it comes to the NFL, edge players – Think about who's dominating right now at that position. Benito's slightly undersized there. And on top of that, he's not necessarily a brute with overbearing strength, which to me is surprising because in the weight room, he's a very strong guy. He put up 22 reps on the bench at his pro day. That's one more than Karloftis put up in his combine. The, the difference between the two is you don't see Benito use that strength on the field or to his advantage where Kaloftis at times, he looked like he was going up against Pop Warner talent, just tossing linemen out of his way. And because of those things, Benito is kind of looking at as a tweener, you know, not quite an edge, still a very disruptive outside linebacker with the Sooners who run a, a hybrid front. And so that could be appealing for new age defenses, you know, who are getting just, trying to be secretive in what they are trying to run. On top of that, Bonita does have plenty to get scouts excited about. He wins with speed, another guy who gets off the line extremely fast and has tremendous bend when he gets to the top of his rush. If, you know, the limbo was a event at the combine, I would be putting significant money on Bonito because he his ability to flatten and get underneath tackles, it uh, honestly, very, very unique. He's someone who linemen have a very tough time of getting his hands on. Now, because of his frame, once they do get a hold of him, he can get displaced very easy, but he's very shifty. Honestly, I, I think Benito could be a decent running back at the next level if he chose to stick with offense because his lateral agility is absolutely fantastic. His outside to inside move, the move that Micah Parsons absolutely destroyed Storm Norton's career on, 
Benito has a very, very nasty version of that same move. And his ability to just juke linemen out of his cleats, uh, he uses that fairly well. And he gets into the backfield with speed with that move. Another a guy who doesn't give up, high motor guy, and against the run, he does a very good job of locating the ball, carrier, and getting after him. And most of the time, he gets him to the turf. I, I think the most unique thing about his tape is that Oklahoma trusted his athletic ability so much, they would even line him up over center and allow him to be a quarterback spy. Say, hey, go patrol sideline to sideline. When was the last time you heard of an edge defender with that kind of range? Pretty impressive. And, you know, with the number second round, you know, looking at a second round grade right now, I don't think the Chargers stand a whole lot of a chance of drafting him. 17, entirely too rich. But I don't really see him getting past 50 overall. Teams are, you know, looking to run those hybrid fronts. Teams who specifically run a 3-4 front, looking for some pass rush help. I think Benito makes uh, a, a smart choice there, if, if that's what you're looking for. I just don't see him really falling in line with uh, what the Chargers are trying to do right now in this let's compete now window. I'm going to talk about uh, Cameron, uh, what's his last? Cameron Thomas uh, from SDSU. I really, really loved this guy's tape. Uh, 6'4", 264 pounds. After doing a lot of research, he's very, very versatile. Uh, he came in as a freshman and played nose tackle. Uh, during his senior season, he would play all the way from outside, um, you know, wide, wide four, wide, what is it called? Wide six, wide six, where are they rushing from deep off the tackles? Um, wide nine, sorry, wide nine. Uh, he played over the five technique. I mean, he played all over the defensive line. This was his first true season as a pure edge rusher. The guy is built like Joey Bosa, like no joke. Like he is built like that. He is shooting up draft boards. Uh, I'm actually starting to see him mocked kind of toward the end of the first round. I think that's a little rich. Uh, I know that Bleach Report has him mocked as a third-round draft pick with potential starter, but this guy is shooting up draft boards, and for good reason. He's been he's been really blowing up uh, recently, especially with his pro day he just had. Uh, my notes are not loading anymore, which is kind of annoying. But anyways, he's 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 got some defensive tackle like ability like he's able to shoot the gap he's able to get in between the gaps uh he's not uh explosive like really fast off the line but he knows how to get skinny knows how to contort his body he knows how to get in and around and squeeze uh and he's a power rusher first and foremost um i don't necessarily know how that fits in the scheme but in terms of being like a run defender, I definitely think that he has that ability to, to be able to anchor down, hold his ground, and really force the ball back inside. Uh, I think Cameron Thomas is probably going to go in the second round, which is a lot higher than a lot of people are looking at him. Uh, he was a big part of the San Diego State defense. And, I mean, I like I said, I can't pull up his stats, which I had there too. But he overall was extremely impressive. I really, really am excited uh, to see where he ends up going next season. He's one of those guys, like, I always have, like, five guys that I'm, like, ready to stand on the table and be like, these are my guys. Cameron Thomas is one of those guys. Thomas was a dog. I mean, growing up is from San Diego, 
always a huge Aztecs fan. Thomas is, has been dominant for a couple of years now. Uh, great player. Great player. And if you're going to look, you're looking at him as a third round prospect. Thank sure. Please. And it's especially in, I think he's going to go earlier. I think he's going to go in the second round without a doubt. He grew up in Carlsbad. He's yeah. homegrown talent. Yeah. That'd be a That would be a fantastic addition with starter potential to add behind two of the best to do it. Enjoy Bose and Khalil Mack. That would be fun. Um, I, I'm going to go to my next prospect, my final prospect, who I didn't know much about admittedly. And I picked him specifically, right, because I liked his name. I, I picked another prospect. I forget who I picked. But then saw this guy's name, Kingsley Ignogbare. And I was like, I got to talk about Kingsley out of South Carolina. 6'4", has all the length you're looking for from the edge position. And by the way, he has 83 and 5 eighths inch wingspan. Long. Long. And he combines that with solid burst plus power. He's definitely at his best when you tell him to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. He finished with only four and a half sacks last season, but that lack of elite production, I think, stems from the fact he wasn't playing on a very dominant defense, and he's going up against tough, tough competition in the SEC. I think a lot of that lack of production had to do with who else are you game planning for on the Gamecocks defense? Teams were able to focus a lot of attention on Kingsley and I think that added to it. I think if you add him to a room where he doesn't have to be the guy, he could really produce in that role. And, you know, I thought... I can and, hear you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just kind of lost my <laughs> train of thought. He didn't finish at an extremely high rate. He didn't get those finishing stats that you're looking for, the sacks, the tackles. He still got after the quarterback and made quarterbacks' lives hard, and he made him sweat a bit. He logged 553 snaps last season, but still generated 45 pressures. So he's still doing something. He's still doing his job. I think, though, Egnabari, he's he's a work in process in progress. He's not the most stout run defender. He really lacks the processing speed of these other guys we're talking about, and. He has, and it it really, it's his lack of technique. He has poor pad level. He has a frequency to peek into the backfield. And he's often late in his responses when defending the run. You know, he's often found in the wrong gap, which led opposing offenses to rattle off huge runs when directing the run game in his direction. Still, I think the appealing things are are very, very enticing. He's looking at a third round grade right now. And he should be right in range of the Chargers' third-round draft pick. If the staff is looking to add even more firepower, Kingsley would be a nice pickup. You know, he's there's no such thing in today's NFL as too many pass rushers, and it honestly might not be the worst idea given the fact that the QBs in the division are crazy. The, the QBs in the conference in general are some of the best we've ever seen assembled, and so... I don't know. I, I don't mind taking another edge prospect with one of those first three picks, especially given the fact that someone's going to fall through the cracks. 
So I'm going to close this off with Jeffrey Gunter, who went to Coastal Carolina. I'll be honest, it was extremely hard for me to find some Coastal Carolina game film. Uh, I only found one game. Obviously, um, I was not that impressed with the one <laughs> game that I got to watch. But I did go and find some notes on him. I did do some research. Uh, Jeffrey Gunter, he went to Coastal Carolina, which is in Myrtle Beach, California. Uh, he was a... A, a team captain. Myrtle Beach, a, Myrtle Beach, Carolina. North, uh, South Carolina. You said Myrtle Beach, California. It's like, I don't Cal- think we have oh, one of Carolina. those on the West Yeah, Coast. you're right. <laughs> so in, in, uh, in, in, um, in Carolina, he became a captain as a true freshman, which is insane. That's crazy. That's insane. Like, that doesn't happen anywhere on any team anywhere. That that's just insane for you to become a captain as a true freshman. I wasn't even a full time starter, as, and he was still that heart and soul, which just speaks to the leadership qualities uh, of of this young man. Um, he continued to lead in his sophomore season, uh, starting all twelve games at defensive end. Uh, he actually was a linebacker at first, moved to defensive end. I ended up ending the season with fourteen tackles for a loss. Uh, he had three tackles for a loss in a single game. Just really shows that he was kind of disruptive. Uh, he ended up having five sacks, two pass breakups as a sophomore. Uh, as a junior, he was dealing with some issues um, family-wise, and he had to enter the transfer portal listed before those rules where he actually had to sit out for the season. Uh, to, he apparently he had to go take care of his mother, some sort of off-the-field issues that he was dealing with at home. And when that was taken care of, in his other junior season, because he redshirted his junior season, he went back to Coastal Carolina, went back to Myrtle Beach, and just skipped a year. He entered the transfer portal just to go to school um, in, at North Carolina State, and he wanted to come back and play with his boys, which I, to me is just awesome. He ended up naming. He's like, why wouldn't I come back and play with my guys, Teron Jackson and this guy and that guy and this guy? Again, speaking to the leadership qualities just showing how much of a team player of a locker room guy that this guy is. He wanted to come and play with his boys. Like that's, I don't know. That's got me all feeling good inside. Um, again, I, I really didn't like his tape all that much. Uh, he's a bigger defensive end. Uh, he's more of a power rusher type of guy. Um, really, really bad film to watch. Really difficult to, to get into. Um, but he doesn't have a whole lot of tools Um He's he's just kind of a power guy who is able to to be disruptive uh, off the edge, driving the offensive tackle into the lap. But I didn't see any any moves, any swim moves, nothing of that nature at all. So, but again, it was also really hard because the the game film I could watch was like blurry, and it was just he's probably a better player than I'm making him out to be. But based off of what I could see, and he wasn't very disruptive in that game. I mean, to me, he's got to be like a sixth or seventh round uh, draft pick. I know that he's being mocked in the fourth to fifth round anyways, but again, it was just a little difficult to find any good film for uh, Coastal Carolina. Well, just the fact uh, you know that he's a, a, a power rusher, I kind of like that addition to the Chargers because we don't really have a guy that could just blow tackles back. And I, I, I'm thinking about longevity and pairing him with a guy like Chris Rumpf, who little undersized, 
Izar going to be the speed rusher guy eventually if he can step into that role? So just pairing those two, you know, when it's all said and done, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa have to hang. Well, Joey Bosa is going to be around for a while. Yeah, so, I mean, you got your big in, you've got your small in, right? Your small right. in is the guy that's going to be usually coming off the um, – the, I mean, you're going to have your big defensive end usually playing on the weak side. You'll have, but we're not in a 4-3 anymore. So it's like, it's a little bit different. Um, I still feel like this defense, you don't, I, I like having power rushers. I, I think I've actually become more accustomed to it because power rushers typically play the run much better than, you know, lighter speed rushers do. Um, but based off of this defense, you've got your big guys on the inside and you got your outside yep. guys maintaining contain. So I just don't necessarily know what the fit is there. He's not a big defensive end. He's 6'4", 264 pounds. Um, to be a big power rusher, I want you to have, you know, 275, 280. I want you to be like a, a Cam Jordan type of edge rusher. And I don't feel like he's that fit, that mold quite yet maybe he's got some bulk to add to his frame but again like watching the film being able to see his body type it was really difficult to make out uh the last thing i'm going to say the u.s qualified for the uh world cup did they who ended yeah up? they did they, they beat costa rica they did beat uh oh the u.s qualifies for the wild card despite loss to costa rica Interesting. So Costa Rica is on fire. Then they must have because they just beat can they beat Canada before that game, who was on a winning streak. I think Costa Rica's won like the last seven games that they came out at. Costa Rica's on fire. Uh, you, I don't think you know this about me, Tyler. I use I spent two years in Costa Rica in two thousand eight, which was so fun because that was like one of the, I don't know if it was the first year they made it, but it was the first year that were that Costa Rica made it in a long, long time. And coming from the U.S. over to Costa Rica, I wasn't a huge soccer fan, so I was naturally rooting for the home team at that point, which was Costa Rica. And I, me and my dad lived in this small, small little town called Wacus, and we were the uh, maybe like hundred, couple hundred people, the only gringos in the whole town, and we just went to the local bar to watch this game. And I remember Costa Rica beat us like four nil. And it was so funny. These people are so funny. They, the entire bar would line up every goal and would walk by our table and say, lo siento, lo siento, lo siento, which is I'm sorry in Spanish. And the whole time we're like, we're rooting for you guys. And they just didn't understand because in, in, in Latin American countries, it's so like, you know, it, they don't even like, uh, you know, the, the Panama or Nicaragua, like, that's close to them, and they would never root for him. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, that's being that's... raised in San Diego and being a Raiders fan. It's like, no, you're not. So you lived in Costa Rica for two years. Why? That's awesome, by the way. How's it your Spanish? Great. It's got to be pretty good, right? Living in, living in Costa Rica. My wife speaks. She's she's Italian, but she speaks, like, really, really good Spanish. It's funny because she actually worked for a company – uh, based out of Guadalajara, uh, they brought avocado oil, and all of her emails and everything would be in Spanish. I'm like, nice. Sam, she didn't even <laughs> learn Spanish until college. Like, she majored in cool. Spanish. Cool. And I was like, uh, how did you pick this up like this? Like, you could, like, having full meetings in Spanish and understanding. 
That's insane. I, I definitely was. I mean, I moved back in 2008. So when I came back, I was definitely much more fluent than I was. I've lost bits and pieces here, but, you know, put me in Mexico for a week. I'll, I get it back really fast. My, my The fundamentals are there. Uh, it's more for me practicing and just getting into the swing of things. It was a great time. I, I always I always tell people it was a two year vacation. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. It was amazing. And it, it was such a random thing. My, my dad has been talking about leaving, you know, moving out of the country for a long time, uh, you know, my entire life. We really only moved back because I was getting to the age where I needed to go to college. And he just kind of saw, I, I'm so thankful for my dad that he came, he came back to put me through school where I would just have more opportunities. Nothing against Costa Rica, but for what I wanted to do, I was at, at that point, I wanted to go play football. And coming back here, it gave me the opportunity to do it. But he, he's in the process of leaving the country eventually once he retires. That's his been his dream. Um, I just kind of tagged along for two years on the ride and I, awesome, I'm super man. thankful for it. Yeah. What a, what a, what an adventure, by the way. It was, it was, it was crazy. We, you know, in our front yard, we had this like a troop of howler monkeys that would come and wake us up. Uh, it was like our alarm clock. They would come into the front yard and just start howling and better than my Spanish. When I came back was my howler monkey impression. I can't get it back no matter how hard I try. Spanish? Yeah, I'll get that back every once in a while. I, I fake dream in Spanish every so often. When you, I can't you get my howler monkey impression back. When you come to the wedding uh, and, no. and you're talking with <laughs> my, my wife. Speech. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> when you come to my wedding, tell, talk to Sam and tell her about your Costa Rica trip. She would love to hear that. She right. would love, love to hear that. And, so make sure you you talk to her about that I'll when keep you, it up. you guys come down. Well, and I'll save I'll save some of the the highlights uh, for your wedding then. Awesome! Thank you so much, Zach, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Getting off on a tangent here. That's um, what we do. <laughs> and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.